Hey, this is David Dearman. I'm the pastor at Memphis Tabernacle, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith. I hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see God move in your life. Enjoy the message. Hey, did you know we're talking about the Holy Spirit today? No, talking about the Holy Spirit can be an un- uncomfortable subject to some people. The Holy Spirit's a controversial subject to some people. The Holy Spirit divides churches, right? I, I don't think he does, but I think people do. But um, we're in week four of the Holy Spirit series, and out of Acts 19, Acts chapter 19 and verse 1, this was kind of our text, and I just want to read it. It's not on your notes. If you need notes, you can raise your hand, and somebody will give those to you. But um, there's a hand right here. I see that hand. I see that hand. <laughs> uh, Acts chapter 19, it says, While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. And there he found some disciples and asked them. This is 20 years later after the Holy Spirit was poured out in the book of Acts. I think it was approximately 23 years later. So it wasn't just the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day in the book of Acts. This was, these are, the book of Acts is about the first church. Some 20 years later, Paul's walking along. He found some disciples, believers, and he asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? What does that mean? It means you can be a believer, you can be a, a, a Christian, but not have received the fullness of the Holy Spirit. He said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe? And so they answered and said, no, we have not so much even heard that there was a Holy Spirit. <laughs> I know why, because that's some of the churches today. People don't want to teach on the Holy Spirit because, again, the Holy Spirit will divide churches. is a controversial subject. Not he, the person, the Holy Spirit, but the subject. Why? Just because people don't really know what to do with the subject of the Holy Spirit. So I told you last week gave you a little bit of an example and I said that when I was 15 and a half years old I remember going into construction and I had this tool belt and I bought all these tools and I didn't know how to use any of the tools and so I would be up on a I think it was like a third story building and they would say hey David uh, nail the nail the you know these these nails on the board so I would grab my hammer and I'd have it about halfway on the handle and I'd start nailing them and I'd go they just don't go in I'm not strong I'm not and then you'd have this this, you know, old carpenter that had come and grabbed my hammer. Boy, give me that hammer. And he'd choke back on the, you know, hammer. And he'd go, pow, pow. And that thing would just drive right in. And I'm thinking, man, that's like Thor. You know, this guy, how did he do? No, it was he knew how to use the tools. And I think that sometimes people don't know what the, the, the gifts, the tools of the Holy Spirit, people don't want to talk about it because they tried that and it just didn't work or, or they've gotten criticism or these kinds of things. Can I tell you, the goal in talking about the Holy Spirit is not to make us a weird church. The Holy Spirit's not weird. People are weird. Like I said before, I think the people that are weird would be weird with, with or without the Holy Spirit. They'd be weird anyway. But can I tell you, The Holy Spirit's not a weird person. The Holy Spirit is here to be with us and work with us. And we're not going to shy away from the subject of the Holy Spirit. Can someone say amen? Because we need him to work in our lives. So week one, we talked about the who is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? Week two, that the Holy Spirit's here for you. He's been sent for you as a helper. Where is Jesus right now? At the right hand of the Father. Where's the Father? the left hand of Jesus, right? (laughs) And where's the Holy Spirit? He's in you. So who are, in the Trinity, who are we working with in Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit the majority of our lives? The Holy Spirit. But yet we know very much about Jesus. We praise Jesus. We talk about Father God and our love for the Father. But the Holy Spirit is sent to be our helper, to come alongside us and make life better. 
So he's here for you. Last week we talked about three baptisms that we see in the New Testament. One baptism is when we're baptized into the body of Christ. That makes you a believer. We're all baptized by the Spirit into Christ Jesus, so that makes us all part of the body. The second baptism is a water baptism to where uh, the people baptize you. You know, it's not the Holy Spirit that's baptizing you. It's not, uh, it's not Jesus that's baptizing you. It's people, you know, a pastor or somebody else is immersing you underwater, and that's a second baptism. But then there's a third baptism that's talked about repeatedly over and over and over and over and over again in the New Testament, in the first church, and that's the baptism in the Holy Spirit or baptism with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is the one. In fact, John the Baptist said, I baptize you in water for repentance, but there's one coming after me who will baptize you in the Holy Spirit or with the Holy Spirit. It says that in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, exactly like that. The bap- before Jesus left, the day that he came back to earth, he said, hey, everybody, let me just tell you the hot topic. You need to make sure to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. The day before he ascended, he said, the last conversation, hey, everybody, I need to talk to you. You need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. It's a, it doesn't get us saved. We're saved by being baptized in Jesus. Water baptism doesn't get us saved. But I'll tell you what, it makes life a whole lot better. It doesn't make you better than anybody else, but it makes you better than you. It makes you better than you. And that's what we're talking about is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So we talked about the baptism in the body of Christ, baptism in water, uh, symbol that the old's buried, new life's come, and the baptism in the Holy Spirit or with the Holy Spirit. Uh, it, and I asked the question before we left, if God provided something for you, wouldn't you want it? <laughs> if God provided something for you, wouldn't you want it? If God gave you benefits and said, hey, that's all in the package of salvation, wouldn't you want it? Of course. In 1 John chapter 5 and verse 7, I just want to read one more verse about that last week. It says, for First John chapter 5, verse 7, it says, For where, are, where there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father and the Word, which is Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. That's the Trinity. I think we'd all agree that that's the Trinity. There's three that bear witness in heaven. That's the Father, the Word, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. But can I tell you, we're not in heaven. We're on earth. And he said that there's three that bear witness, listen to this, on earth, And he says, really, these three in reverse order, these three baptisms in reverse order. The Spirit, what is that? It's a baptism in the Holy Spirit. The water, that's a baptism in water. And the blood, that's salvation through the blood of Jesus. Three that bear witness on earth. And he says, and these three agree as one. These three baptisms each have a distinct work of grace in our lives, and God wants to do something in our lives. And so uh, that's what we talked about the last three weeks. If you haven't been able to hear any of those, or you think, what the heck are you talking about right now? Go back and listen to those on podcasts. They're all on podcasts. If you want to find a link, you can just go to memphistabernacle.com, click on resources, and go to messages, and you can listen to it. Uh, uh, I can send you notes. Uh, Eventually, we're going to be having our notes all online as well, so you can fill those out. But make sure to study. Don't be ignorant. I don't mean dumb or some bad word. I just mean not knowing. Don't be ignorant about the subject of the Holy Spirit. Feel very comfortable that when someone brings up the Holy Spirit, you can say, I'm glad you asked. Because he's someone who's very special and dear to me. Hey, I'm talking this morning about spiritual gifts. And I want to tell you this. I'm talking this morning about spiritual gifts. Gavin, man, I could, I'm, I'm just resting when you're talking. Thank you, brother. Don't you just love Gavin to hear this, this playing this morning? Oh, oh, man of God. I remember when we were kids, 
that we, at Christmas time, we would have all these gifts under the tree. And, uh, and usually I kind of knew the, the way my parents would do it, and we kind of do this with our kids too. But we would have, you know, I don't know, a handful of gifts, sometimes, you know, 10 gifts, and sometimes you open the first gift, you're all, what's that? And it's a pack of underwear or something, you know, as a kid, and you're like, oh, come on, Mom, you know. Then you open up the second one, that's socks, you know, or something, and you go, come on, you're really going to wrap up underwear and socks for Christmas, you know. And little by little, the gifts would seem to get better, right? And you'd get one, you'd get another, and then you'd find one that was real interesting, and you'd start playing with it, and you'd sit down. This is what happens with our kids now. They'll sit down, and they'll start playing with those gifts, and they're enjoying them, and they like them. I love it. Today's a good day. It's Christmas. We enjoy it. And we can't wait because the big gift is at the end. The wow gift is at the end, right? And so sometimes we've had to say, hey, stop playing with that. I don't want to stop playing with it. No, 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 I've got something more for you, you know, because at the end, we're going to roll out like a pet horse or something, you know, I mean, we're going to roll out something big that you're going to jump up and down about, right? And so, but sometimes they're so into these other gifts that the wow gift or the big gift that we have, you know, now it's not that we're teaching them to be greedy or anything that get all the gifts you can. No, it's because it brings us great pleasure. We're excited that we get to give you something exciting. Can I tell you, when we're saved, if we had no other gifts, how many would agree this morning that salvation is the greatest gift that we could ever have? Yeah, if we had no other gifts, but some people, that's the only gift they know. They're excited about it. But there's much more that God provided in us and so with us. And so the gift of the Holy Spirit, we're talking about spiritual gifts this morning. In the book of Ephesians, it says that God's blessed us with every spiritual gift in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We don't have to beg for them. We don't have to earn them, but we do have to receive them. We do have to receive them. And that's what we're talking about as spiritual gifts this morning. The book of Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, it's on the top of your notes. It says this, then Peter said to them, this is right after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in, book of, in Acts 2. Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I want to read it to you again. Repent, what is that? Well, that's salvation. Turn around, turn to Jesus, repent and let every one of you be baptized. Well, what is that? That's being baptized in water, right? It's just... It's, it's affirming your commitment to the Lord. In the name of Jesus for the remission of sins. What is that? It's saying you're saved. He says, and you shall, didn't come at the same time, but you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the, the word of God calls him, the Holy Spirit, the gift or the promise of the Holy Spirit. I promise you, you'll want this gift. The gift of the Holy Spirit. So before we talk about the gifts of of the Holy Spirit, I want to talk about the gift of the Holy Spirit, uh, the gift of the person of the Holy Spirit, that the gift of the Holy Spirit comes bearing gifts. If you get the Holy Spirit, you get all of his gifts, you know, as he wills, and he'll let you use those gifts as you need them. So we're talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 39 in Acts chapter 2 says this, listen, for the promise, and who is the promise? Let me, let me give you a hint. It's the Holy Spirit. Uh, for the promise, and who's the promise? Okay, for the promise of the Holy Spirit is to you, listen, to you, he's talking to the people back in the book of Acts, and to your children, he's talking about the next generation, and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord God will call. So the promise of the Holy Spirit is to everybody, including the Gentiles, 
Everybody who's a believer in every era, in every nation, in every land, there is no filter on the Holy Spirit. He's available at all times to all people, anyone, as many as the Lord God has called, as many as those who are saved and believers in Christ Jesus. You do have to be saved and be baptized in, in Jesus in order to, be, uh, uh, to receive the Holy Spirit. So this promises to everybody. Can I tell you, we have the same resource and experience that was afforded to the first church. Sometimes we look back in the book of Acts and we say, I wish I'd have lived there. No, 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 that, they were just getting started. We should be, the book of Acts hasn't, hasn't closed yet, in a sense. We still have the same things available to us here today in Memphis, Tennessee, as they had over in the book of Acts in the Holy Land. We have the same God who empowered the works that were done here, the same one that empowered every single miracle that we read over there in the book of Acts. Can I tell you this? Listen, Jesus was baptized in the Holy Spirit before he began his ministry. Just let that sink in a, 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 for a minute. Jesus was baptized in the Holy Spirit before he began his ministry. In Luke chapter 3 and verse 21, it says this, When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus was also baptized. What kind of baptism was that? It was water baptism, right? Jesus was also baptized. Uh, it, it, actually, John's baptism was called the baptism of repentance. It's not that Jesus needed to repent from sin because Jesus was sinless. So he didn't have to get saved, right? We, Jesus didn't have to be baptized into the body of Christ. Jesus was Christ, right? So Jesus is Christ, right, today. So, so uh, he, he didn't have to be saved, but he did. He was baptized, a baptism of repentance. In other words, something at 30 years old right there was shifting in his life. And he was water baptized. But I want you to notice at his baptism here, it says, And while he prayed, the heaven opened up, and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove. It didn't say a dove descended like the Holy Spirit. It said the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. So we can say the Holy Spirit descended on him. What is that? It's Holy Spirit baptism. It says, and a voice came from heaven which said, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. What is that? It's the Father's affirmation upon Jesus as he was baptized with the Holy Spirit. What a beautiful picture right there of the Trinity. That Jesus, the Son of God, is being baptized and the Father is saying, I like this guy. We're all one. That's a beautiful picture of the Trinity that's right there. And I want you to notice that what was happening right there was water baptism and Holy Spirit baptism. And some of you say, well, that's stretching it just a little bit. Jesus was really baptized with the Holy He didn't have to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He had to be baptized. In fact, when John tried to prevent it, he said, thus is fitting to fulfill all righteousness. I have to be baptized. I haven't started my ministry yet. I need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Okay? So he says here, uh, notice this in verse 23. Verse 23, it says, Now Jesus himself began his ministry about 30 years of age. Jesus hadn't begun his ministry until he was baptized with the Holy Spirit. Did Jesus begin ministry? I just answered it, but did Jesus begin ministry before or after he was baptized? After. Then in Luke chapter 4, just a few verses down, just to clarify that he was baptized with the Holy Spirit, it says, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, let me ask you, was Jesus filled with the Holy Spirit? Yeah. It says, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit. Was Jesus led by the Spirit? Yeah. 
See, sometimes we may think he didn't have to be filled with the Spirit. He was God. Yeah, he, he was God, but Philippians chapter 2 says that he laid down all those God attributes. He didn't cease to become God from becoming God, but he became a man. In other words, he was limited to be a man while he was walking on earth. You might say, he wasn't limited. Well, he was in two places at once. That's limited, right? Jesus didn't know everything about everyone. That's why sometimes he would say he perceived. If he perceived, that means he didn't know. Now he knows. No, Jesus wasn't all-knowing, all-present, and everywhere at once. Jesus was functioning on earth as a man. Otherwise, he couldn't be our example and say, go do what I did, right? So he came all man. He was all God, but he laid down, down those things. How did he function in that power then? By being baptized in the Holy Spirit. He came and was baptized with the Holy Spirit and showed us how to do it. And then he gave us the opportunity to be able to do it too. So look at this. It says that Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit. And then Luke 14, 4.14, it says that Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. Jesus was baptized in the Spirit. Jesus was filled with the Spirit. Jesus was led by the Spirit. Jesus was empowered by the Spirit. Before, say before, he started his ministry. Before he ever did a miracle, Jesus was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Jesus did not start his ministry until he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. You know what's interesting is before he left, he told us to do the same thing. The last thing Jesus said to his disciples wasn't go into all the world. It was wait. In fact, it was, don't, it was go into all the world. But right before he left in the book of Luke, before he, he ascended and was taken up, he said, wait, everybody, for the promise of the Spirit. Why? You're going to need this before you go. You're going to need to be baptized. It's going to help you. Acts chapter 1, he told us to do the same thing. He said, and being assembled together with them, he, Jesus, commanded. Notice he didn't suggest. He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Who's the promise? The Holy Spirit. Which he said you've heard from me. For John truly baptized with water. But you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. That's what they were waiting for. What were they waiting in the upper room for? For the Holy Spirit. And so he said you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now. He was speaking to believers. He had already ascended. But he wanted them to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, just a couple of verses down, it says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. That's what Jesus received. You shall receive power. Remember after he was baptized, he walked in the power of the Spirit. You shall receive power and you shall be witnesses. Notice he didn't say you shall do witnessing, but you shall be witnesses. That's why it's so hard sometimes for people to do witnessing because they get out there and try to witness, man, I just feel like I can't really do this. Well, he, he said, don't do witnessing, be witnesses. In other words, when you're baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit, something on the inside helps you to do what you're supposed to be able to do. Be witnesses uh, when power is in you. So with spiritual gifts, there's, uh, I'm going to take two weeks on this, and I'm just going to go over a few things today. But one is personal spiritual gifts, that you have the gift of the Holy Spirit, and there's some personal things that go with that. And then next week, I want to talk about uh, what a Spirit-filled church is and how the gifts of the Holy Spirit work in a Spirit-filled church. You won't want to miss that. You might say, I don't believe that. That's why you need to come. 
Because you're going to have to disagree with the word because we're just going to read the, the word, okay? I'm not being a smart aleck here. I'm just saying we're just going to read the Bible and you can, whatever you want to take with it, okay? I told you, don't believe me. Don't believe the church you came from. Believe the word. Somebody say amen. Okay, so both are important, personal gifts and corporate gifts. Uh, just like a, a team, you have a, a winning team or a championship team, it's not just about having great coaching and having great people. It's about having great individual players, and, along, and together they work together to see something. When you see a move of God happening in a church, can I tell you, it's about individuals who are filled up and God's doing something in their life, but then collectively God brings them together to do something beautiful. So we want to talk about personal. I want to talk to you for a minute about the blessings of the baptism of the Holy, in the Holy Spirit. The blessing of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Why? Because some people say, might say, I'm not really sure if I want that. The blessing of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Number one is this, and you could fill this in, power. Say the word power. Acts 1.8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Sometimes when we hear about the Holy Spirit, the first thing people want to throw out is tongues, and they go, oh man, I don't want to speak, sound crazy. Well, you're crazy for sitting here anyway, believing in a God that you can't see. We're all a little bit crazy, right? That's, what, that's why it's called faith, because faith is something you can't see. So, and I'll tell you what, there's a whole lot of New Agers and a whole lot of Buddhists and Muslim and, and people that are out there that believe all kind of mess that's crazy. And then they come to me and say, I'm crazy. And I'm like, no, you're crazy because, well, let's just move on. Okay. Listen, you shall receive power. The very first, he didn't say you shall receive tongues, though I'm going to show you that. We're gonna, we're gonna, he said you shall receive power. The very first thing he said, when the Holy Spirit's come upon you, you are empowered. There's something that, there's, there's power inside of you. I remember there was this little shy uh, gal, she was in her 20s, that was at our church um, uh, a few years ago, and she came and she could barely have a conversation with somebody. I mean, just couldn't even lift her head in the conversation. And, uh, you know, she got into some discipleship classes and she was going to have to go tell someone about Jesus, and she's like, I don't think I could do it. Can I tell you, I watched her a little while longer. She got filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit. And this woman, I say woman, I said girl at the beginning, she came alive. We were praying, and she'd start to pray. Lord, I pray. And it wasn't just learning some little, you know, Christian personality, like, you know, to do it this way or to say it this way or to have voice inflections this way. No, there was power that was in her. There was like energy that was in her. There was like she was supercharged, like, like a, a, a toy that you'd, you'd put down and it had no batteries, and then all of a sudden you put the batteries in, the batteries came alive. That's what the Holy Spirit does. It puts the batteries in you. There's power that comes in you, and you just say, now you do have to regulate that power and know how to get that power to work. Otherwise, people can just say, you're, you're a crazy power, okay? And, and sometimes we can misrepresent the Holy Spirit. But you do have power in your life. Number two, you can write it down, boldness. Boldness. Acts 4, verse 8 and 13 says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. Can you say it? Filled with the Holy Spirit? Say Filled with the Holy Spirit said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel. Listen. And he says in verse 13, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, and they marveled. And they realized that they had been with Jesus. The boldness of Peter. I want to remind you that it was just some days before that Peter was off hiding 
Are you one of the disciples? No. He was off hiding. Some little girl asked him, I think you're one of the disciples. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. He didn't have, see, you might just think he just was born with boldness. No, he denied the Lord. Peter's the one who denied the Lord three times. But what happened just a few days later? After he was filled with the Holy Spirit, he stood up with boldness and confronted all the crowds. Why? Because boldness came inside of him. Boldness came. I know that sometimes uh, I just naturally have a shyness uh, of meeting people. You know, uh, my wife's not like that. I don't think she's like that. She'll say, oh, let's go, you know, let's go meet them and let's go. And I'll go, oh, man, uh, Hi, um, you know, and after I get to know them and, and they, I love them and, you know, get to talking with them, I feel more comfortable. But just naturally, I always have this shyness. And, and coming into a brand new city, you know, uh, I'm from Southern California, and coming into a brand new city and thinking, I don't know one person, it freaked me out. It just freaked me out. To, get, to have to meet people and know people, and they're wondering and question you, and what's your agenda, and what are you here for, and then you tell them to plant a church, and some of them would flat out look at you and say, we don't need another church. Basically, go back home, wasting your time, right? And just feeling timid. But can I tell you, what would happen was, on the inside, I'd start praying, and and a boldness would come on the inside. And a love of God would start coming on the inside. And I'd be able to look at them right in the eye and say, my name's David. I'm, I'm just here to love the city. And I'm, you know, I, I would just be as confident as confident could be. It's not because of my personality. It's because of the Holy Spirit. It's not because of my personality. Some of you might say, I'm shy. I'm timid. I don't know if I can be used by God. This is one of the great things. Number three is this, spiritual language. Spiritual language. Uh, I like to call it spiritual language because, you know, tongues can sometimes, you know, and I know it's translated, you know, speaking in tongues and things like that, but spiritual language, it really is a true language that you have in your life. Acts chapter 2, verse 4, some of you might think spiritual language is crazy. If it's not in the Bible, I think it's a little crazy, but you read it all over the Bible. You read it, you know, here in the book of Acts in the first church. He says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. As the Spirit gave them utterance. Spiritual language is the most common evidence that there is about being filled uh, with the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. Whenever I pray for someone to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and I'll lay hands on them and just say, be filled with the Holy Spirit, and they ask and they open up their heart, my mind is not trying to shake them and get them speaking in tongues. You know, that's not my goal. My goal is to get them empty and open to receive from the Lord. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Jesus didn't try to teach them. They didn't have a seminar on how to speak in tongues. No, they just said, be open and let's be waiting on what the promise that the Lord was talking about. And they were open in the well. The Holy Spirit was well able to fill people, and this is what happened. Three out of the five instances that we see in the book of Acts, they clearly were filled and spoke with tongues. One of the other instances was when Apollos went and laid hands on Paul, uh, or Saul, later to be Paul, and Paul went on to say, I speak in tongues more than y'all, so you know that 
He said, more than y'all. You like that? <laughs> and then the fifth instance was, uh, the last instance was the people of Samaria in the, uh, Acts chapter 8 that it mentioned that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and Simon the sorcerer looked at them and they saw something on the people that they had received. So it wasn't necessarily, that doesn't say tongues, but they saw something happen to them on their lives. So spiritual language is something. I want you to notice in that verse of Acts 2, 4, it says they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Notice, they spoke, but the Spirit filled their mouths. They spoke, but the Spirit who lives on the inside of them filled their mouth. Uh, whenever you're speaking in spiritual language, it's not the Holy Spirit that's speaking. It's you that's speaking. But the Holy Spirit is the one that fills, fills your mouth. It would be like if I said, hey, I want to teach you Spanish. Uh, the first word I'm going to teach you is hola. And I say, say hola. And you're like, I don't know how to say it. So I'm just going to, well, no, you're not going to say I say, say hola. You say, no, you have to say it. You have to open your mouth. And, you know, half the time, I took Spanish for four years, and I can't speak Spanish, okay? <laughs> two years in high school, two years in college, and I'm like the worst Spanish-speaking person. But I tried. I'd get out there and, you know, try to, I'd just go for it, right? And can I tell you, with spiritual language, you have to open your mouth. You have to open your mouth, and the Holy Spirit will fill uh, your mouth. I've... Uh, many people that receive their spiritual language, one of the most common that I hear is that people will receive in the middle of a worship setting. People will receive in their own personal and private time. They're in the car. They're in the shower. They're in a service. And they just open their mouths. And they're praising the Lord. And they're in English. They're worshiping the Lord or whatever their native language is. They're loving the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And then they say, I don't know what happened, but something of the Holy Spirit on the inside changed the language into a spiritual language. And they begin to worship him in spiritual language. It's not weird. I'll tell you weird stuff. There's weird stuff out there. That's not weird. That's something that's very spiritual. It's like someone telling me ice cream's not good. It's too late. It's too late, brother. <laughs> I ate the ice cream. You tell me the Holy Spirit's weird. It's too late. I've already experienced him many, many, many years in my life and, uh, and watched him work. So spiritual language is a great gift uh, that we have. How do I receive the Holy Spirit? Ask and receive, just like salvation. Ask Father, I ask you for the Holy Spirit, and I receive the Holy Spirit by faith. And then if you ask and believe that you've received, then I ask you, have you received? And what do you say? Yes, I've received. Well, I don't see anything. No, that's why it's called faith. You receive the Holy Spirit by faith. And, and uh, number four is wisdom. Wisdom. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 13, out of the New Living Translation, it says, So anyone who speaks in tongues should pray also for the ability to interpret what he said. For if I speak in tongues, my spirit is praying. Or if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I do not understand what I am saying. Well then, what shall I do? I will pray in the spirit, and I will also pray in words that I understand. I will sing in the spirit, and I will also sing in words that I understand. What is he saying? It's appropriate to sing in spiritual language and to sing in English, to pray in spiritual language and to pray in English. I know that in my personal prayer time, I've committed to the Lord that I, I spend my very first hour every morning praying. And the majority of the, what I pray, and I pray in, in a spiritual language for the first hour of the day. I grab a journal, I pull it out, I lay it out on my table, and I just say, Lord, whatever you have to say to me, most of the time I have no agenda. And the Lord begins to lay things on my heart, people on my heart, 
tells me what, who I need to call that day. I do think very logically. But you have to be able to depend and make your heart a bit vulnerable to follow the Lord. So I, spend, I try to spend my very first hour every day just open with an open journal. And if I have questions, most of the time I have one or two or three questions. Lord, I don't know how to do this. I don't know what I'm supposed to do concerning this. And you said in Philippians 4, 6, don't worry, but pray. So I pray today about this, this, and this. And I just pray until an answer comes to me. I write down the answer, and then I do it, and it works. Most all, every time it works, you know. And if it didn't work, it wasn't God. It was probably me. I didn't do it right. And people will, sometimes will say, how did you know how to do that? I don't ever say it's experience because, you know what, I don't have experience. I, I have, I, I've been in church all my life, but I don't have experience doing what we're doing right here, right now at this particular time. And the people I know and my fathers in the faith don't have the experience to do exactly what we're doing right now. But can I tell you, the Lord knows. The Holy Spirit knows exactly what to do about everything. Wisdom. If you don't know what to do, spend more time with the Lord. Open your heart. Pray until you know what to do. And you'll find out what to do. First uh, John 2 verse 20 says, You have an anointing from the Holy One on the inside of you. And you know all things. And verse 27 says, And the anointing teaches you. Number five, perfect intercession. Perfect intercession. What is intercession? It's prayer. Romans chapter 8 verse 26 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses, for we don't know what to pray for as we ought. Do you ever, not, do you ever get into prayer and you don't know what to pray? Has that ever happened to you? Someone says every day, <laughs> right? You get into prayer and you're not sure what in the world to pray about. So what do you do? A lot of times you just stop praying. But when you don't know how to pray, what do you do? You pray in the Spirit. He says here, the Holy Spirit makes intercession, he says, with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is. What is he saying? He, the Holy Spirit knows what to pray. You don't know what to pray. He knows what to pray. And he lives on the inside. The one who lives on the inside of you knows what to pray. So he's saying, what do you have to do? You have to pray with his help. And if you pray with his help, you'll pray the perfect will of God. He says, because he who uh, searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints. Notice this, according to the will of God. Can you say according to the will of God? According to the will of God. When you pray with the Spirit, you're praying according to the will of God. When he says, makes intercession with groanings which cannot be uttered, you know, groanings are not like whale sounds. <laughs> No, I'm not talking that he has some whale sounds or some, you know, dolphin sounds or some type of sounds inside. No, what is he saying? He's saying internally I don't have the English words to express, but there's a groaning in my heart. Do you know what I mean? There's something in my heart. Whether you've ever prayed in a spiritual language or not, do you know what I mean? You have something on the inside that it wants to come out. There's a groaning. There's an urging on the inside, and that's the Holy Spirit trying to get prayer out of you. He's trying to get the prayer out of you. And he says that, that when you pray in the Spirit, he makes perfect intercession with the saints according to the work of, uh, will of God. In my personal prayer time, I told you that I'll write out questions and I pray in the Spirit until I have answers and then I write down the answers. I do that every day of my life. Every day of my life, I write out questions. My journal, it's in my car. My journal is here. In fact, I hope you don't find my journal because you'll find, you'll think, man, this guy has a lot of questions, you know. 
But every single day, I write the date on the top. It may be 3 in the morning, 4 in the morning, 5 in the morning, 6 in the morning, whatever time I wake up. I don't have an alarm clock. I just, usually it's before 6. But I'll wake up, and I just write down my questions, and I sit and I pray. And I ask the Lord what to do, and I do my very best that day to do what he's telling me to do. Where is the Holy Spirit? He lives inside of you. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who's in you? If he's praying according to the will of God, 1 John 5, 14 says this. This is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us and we know that we have the petitions. What does that mean? When you don't know what to pray, you pray with the Holy Spirit. You make perfect intercession according to the will of God and your prayers are answered. You can be confident about that. That's how to do it. I remember my dad uh, had a stroke. My dad's gone on to be with the Lord, but my dad had a stroke some years ago, and he prayed in the spirit all the time. I'd listen to my dad and my mom, and they would have a spiritual language. They'd pray in the mornings, and, uh, and I remember my dad, uh, he had a stroke, and he couldn't get out English words, and my brother, Jerry, he was on this side of him. I was on this side of him. We were in the city of Fullerton. He was laying back. He wasn't, didn't look very conscious. This side of his face was kind of, you know, hung down. Uh, I wasn't sure really exactly what was going on with him. And I'd look at him and go, Dad, you okay? And he'd kind of just give you that glazed eyes. And all of a sudden, he'd go, uh, 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 and he'd start. And, 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 and I'm saying, what is he saying? I'm asking my brother, what's he saying? What's he saying? He said, I don't know. I think he's praying. And we listened. My dad get voice out. You know what he was doing? He was praying in the Spirit. See, he couldn't get English words out. He couldn't put together those things in his mind. But the Holy Spirit still resided on the inside of him. And what was he praying? He was praying the perfect will of God to get him out of that stuff. And he pulled out of it pulled out of it, making perfect intercession. You may think it's crazy, but I've watched it happen way too many times that praying with the Holy Spirit is an amazing, amazing thing. Number six, spiritual warfare, spiritual warfare. Ephesians chapter six, verse 12. NIV says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Listen, church, the things you're fighting against is not people. It's not your, it's not your neighbors. It's not your boss. It's not your coworkers. It's, it's, it's rulers, authorities, powers of the dark world, spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly world. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, that when the day, evil day comes, you'll be able to stand your ground. After you've done everything to stand, stand. Look at verse 18. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and requests. Praying in the Spirit is part of spiritual warfare. If you're in a spiritual funk... If you're in a spiritual, you're facing spiritual opposition and you don't know what to do, you need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to get you through that. I don't have time to tell you testimony after testimony that this has worked for me. Opening Memphis Tabernacle, coming here and opening Memphis Tabernacle came with much spiritual opposition, spiritual warfare. There are four spirit-filled people that I asked about a year and a half ago when I first moved out here, four spiritual people to stand as a prayer shield for us, for Tiffany, for me, for our marriage, for our kids, for our team, for our church. I didn't know one person in Memphis to ask because I didn't know anybody. So I asked four people that live in different cities around the United States who I trusted to pray for us and to hold us up. And every, periodically I will call them and update them on what go, what, what's going on and they will pull us right through in the spirit. They will pray for us and stand with us. 
People will say sometimes, man, it just seems like things are going smooth here. Well, this work, this church has been bathed in prayer. And to go to the next level, we need to be bathed in prayer. To reach people, we need to be bathed in prayer. And then last of all, number seven, build yourself up. Why, do, why be baptized in the Holy Spirit? Why the beautiful blessing of the Holy Spirit? To build yourself up. Jude 1 verse 20 says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up. Notice, you're not looking for someone else to build you up. Someone else can't lift weights for you to get your muscles. You can't say, I'm going to hire someone to lift weights for me so that I can have muscles. No, you build yourself up. Get in the gym yourself. Get in the spirit yourself. Building yourself up on your most holy faith. Notice, praying in the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 14.4 says, The one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up. But the one who prophesies builds up the church. Do you ever feel weak? Come on, answer. Do you ever feel weak? You can build yourself up. You can build yourself up. You don't have to stay weak. The Bible says, let the weak say, I am strong. All seven of these, and there's many more, but I'm just pointing out seven. All of these are gifts for you, spirit-filled people. You might say, well, I don't know if I'm spirit-filled. Well, we're going to open up our hearts and just let the Lord fill us. It's nothing complicated. It's nothing weird. We're going to let the Lord fill us. For things, for spiritual gifts to grow in your life, though, you have to exercise them. Grow from where you are right now. Next week, we're going to talk about a spiritual church. I want everybody, just put your notes aside. This is a private moment between you and God. Come on, you and God right now. I like to just open my hands like this just as an, uh, uh, to let the Lord know I'm opening my heart to you today. The Lord can fill every person who is saved, who is a believer. So let's confess Jesus as the Lord of our lives right now, whether it be the first time or whether it be uh, you've done it before. Just say, Jesus, I open my heart to you. Jesus, I call you my Lord and my Savior. Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. I call myself a believer today. Thank you that I'm baptized into the body of Christ. Thank you, Lord. And if if someone needs to sign up for baptism, we have water... Water baptism coming up as well. Now, I want you to open your heart and say, Lord, I empty my heart from everything, from anything that would hold back you filling me with your spirit today. I empty my heart. I can't do it for you. Just do it yourself. Say, I empty my heart. I open my heart. And let's pray this right now. In the book of Luke chapter 11, it says that the Father will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. So let me just, let's just ask right now. Say, Say, Father, fill me with your Holy Spirit right now. Say, baptize me in the Holy Spirit right now. (laughs) Fill me with your Spirit right now. And I receive the Holy Spirit into my heart right now. (laughs) Thank you for it, Lord. Now let's begin to just out of our own mouths. I'm not looking for any demonstration or anything that you have to put on. But let's out of our own mouths just worship the Lord on our own. Say, I love you, Lord. I praise you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I honor you, Lord. I thank you. You're my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for baptizing us in the Holy Spirit. Thank you for power. Thank you for boldness. Thank you for spiritual language. Thank you for wisdom today. Thank you for perfect intercession. Thank you for that you help us with spiritual warfare. Thank you today that you help us to build ourselves up, Lord, and grow us and bring us to the next place. In Jesus' name. 
And everybody said amen. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. God bless you, and I'll see you next time on the Memphis Tabernacle Podcast. Yeah.